Well, good morning. My name is Dwayne Spearman. Welcome to Directional Bible Ministries. This is a teaching ministry that desires to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery. Uh, today is May the 17th, 2023, and we find ourselves still in the book of Ephesians. Last time we were together, we were in Ephesians session 16, and we looked at chapter 3, verses 14 through 19. Uh, while I got it pulled up here, I just uh, did a post, The Dual-Natured Kingdom, um, that I think you might find interesting. Uh, there is a teaching in the church today that is called The Dual-Natured Kingdom. It is the kingdom that Jesus spoke of is here spiritually, but not yet physically. In other words, the church has the spiritual realities of the promised kingdom that was given at Pentecost, but not yet the physical some refer to it as almost not yet. Um, so something to take a look at there. And uh, there's five things that Dr. Randy White, uh, he's the one that initially did this study that I saw. Uh, he lists uh, five things that are wrong with that view. So something you might want to take a look at there. Uh, let's see. Let's go ahead and open our Bibles to Ephesians chapter number three. Uh, we're going to pick up in verse number 20, but just for context, uh, we're going to start reading in verse number 14. For this cause, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your heart by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the depth, the height, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with the fullness of God. Now unto him, in verse 20, that is able to do exceedingly abundantly all that we ask or think, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. This is what is called a doxology. Uh, the Apostle Paul uses it a, a whole lot. A doxology is just a spontaneous acclamation of praise by definition. Uh, Paul does this, uh, I think, more than any other. Um, and again, it's just Paul getting, I guess, a little beside of himself is the word. <laughs> uh, excited. You know, it's just this spontaneous, out-of-nowhere uh, proclamation, exclamation of praise. Um, also interesting that the words exceeding abundantly, exceeding abundantly, uh, that's found here in verse number 20, it's actually one word, and it's only used by the Apostle Paul. Uh, and it literally means to an extent which cannot be expressed. To an extent that I can't even express to you. That's interesting. In the KJV Plus, it says exceedingly abundantly. Um, Hooper. Um, casual for the sake. Instead, regarding... Um, Retains many, and then this is that. So it's like a compound word there that is only found um, by the Apostle Paul. He's the only one that uses it. 
exceedingly abundant, abundantly. So to the extent, an extent which cannot be expressed. Um, so today we are going to start in, let's see, where did we, let's see, we were in, uh, let's see, session, session 16 last time. So this is going to be session 17. And it's going to be, we're going to start in chapter number four. And we'll see how far we get. So, chapter 4, Ephesians. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. Just as in Paul's other epistles, he transitions from the doctrinal to the practical with the word therefore. And that is a good method of teaching. Um, matter of fact, I think it's the only correct method of teaching. I mean, you have to lay down the doctrine. I saw a, a church many years ago uh, that said, doctrine divides, but love unites. Uh, yeah, no kidding there, Sherlock. Um, doctrine is divisive, but the only way we're going to get good doctrine is if we properly interpret the Bible. And there has to be an interpretation before there's an application. And today, there's a, most of the teaching that I am exposed to is what I would call applicational preaching. They read a text, and they just immediately apply that to our lives in 2023. Uh, instead, they should go in and explain the text, interpret the text, what was, who was speaking, what was being said, who was it being said to, uh, what did they understand was being said at the time that it was said. And then once you've laid that down, you can apply a proper application. Um, so today, that's not done. It's, it's applicational. And many times the application has absolutely zero to do with the interpretation. Um, I think Paul lays down the, you know, the, the standard here. Uh, he's going from doctrinal to practical, and he does that with the word therefore, I therefore. In other words, now that you know the mystery that was revealed to me and only me, uh, you know the manifold <clears throat> wisdom of God, which means how God revealed this uh mystery to him, even the host of heaven know now, this is how you should live. Um, and he uses some interesting words there when he says, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord, I beseech you. Uh, that means to call or invite you. In other words, in lieu of the fact that I am a prisoner of the Lord, I therefore, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord, I'm inviting you, I'm calling you, that you should walk worthy. Now, that word worthy there is axios, and it means you should walk deservingly. You should walk um, um, in a way, how would you say that? You should walk in a way that is deserving now. Um, it's also could be translated due reward. You should walk in the right way now that you know the truth. Um, and then he says, of the vocation wherewith you're called. That word vocation 
So he's saying, now that you know the truth, I want to invite you to walk in a deserving way um, of the vocation, and that speaks more of a calling than a career that's commonly used today. Today we go to a vocational school for a career, but this is a calling. So he's saying, I want to invite you to walk deservingly in the calling that God has placed on your life now that you know the truth, which is the revelation of the mystery. Uh, Paul loves the word therefore uh, because it expresses in lieu of all that I previously stated, and he uses it a lot. Paul was a linear thinker, more like a lawyer. You know, he lays out the facts, and then he says, therefore, now now that you know that, uh, Romans 8, I think, is uh, one where he does that. There is therefore now no no condemnation. In verses 1 through 7, he's laying it all out. And in verse 8, chapter 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to those which are in Christ Jesus who walk after the flesh, but not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Uh, so Paul uses that term quite a bit. And then he says in verse number 2, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So in these verses, he goes on to tell them five things regarding walking worthy. How can you walk worthy of your vocation or of your your calling? How can you walk in a deserving way? Um, and he says it should be done with lowliness. And that word lowliness is humility. We should we should walk in humility. We should walk in in humbleness, if you will. Um, and then he also goes on and says we should walk in meekness. Okay, uh, meekness is gentleness. You know the Bible talks about was it uh, Moses was a very meek man, meant that he was a very gentle man. Uh, so our walk should be gentle, and then our walk should also be in long-suffering, which is patient. We should be patient with people around us. You know, the older I get, the more I understand that we're all at a different place in our walks with the Lord. Um, I mean, I, I never would have thought I would be where I am doing what I'm doing 10 years ago. Um you know, I mean, we need to be patient with one another. Um, while I may understand it, you may not. Or I may actually think I understand it, and I really don't. You know, I, I mean, I have learned, and I talk to my buddy Scott about this all the time, I've learned to eat crow in so many different ways. Um, I can eat it sautéed, I can eat it broiled, I can eat it fried. I have learned that I do not have all the answers. Um, you know, it reminds me of, a, I guess, the old expression, if you had asked me that question 10 years ago, I would have had an answer. Um, I've just learned that I don't have all the answers. There, there are things, who can know the height, the length, the depth, the breadth of the love of God? I mean, I mean, his ways are past, they're unsearchable, you know, past finding out, you know, and yet we want to stand up and think we got all the answers. We don't, you know, I am being corrected almost daily 
Um, and that's healthy. If you're in the word of God, the problem is most people aren't in the word of God, you know, and you know, they speak in such a way that they think they have all the answers. Maybe that's because they haven't eaten a little crow yet. Um, so, um, but, uh, there's, um, I was Roger Feistra. He's a mid ax uh, preacher out of California talks about the difference between being dogmatic and being authoritative. I can speak authoritatively, like I'm speaking authoritatively now. I feel that this is correct, but dogmatic means my way or the highway, you know? Um, I mean, there's some things I can be dogmatic on, you know? I mean, the doctrine of the virgin birth, you know, things like that. But there's a difference, you know? I, I think we should preach, teach authoritatively, which means we... We have we have studied it. We feel this is where this is going. This is what that says. But that doesn't mean that we can't be open to correction. Um, we can be. Um, so interesting. Roger makes the distinction there. Uh, and then forbearing. That word forbearing means self-control or refraining. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Um, we should... Um, our walk should be with self-control. Um, just because you can doesn't mean you should. You know, there's uh, the Paul talks about not necessarily it's lawful, but it's not necessarily expedient for me. There's a lot of things I could do, but doesn't mean I should do them. Uh, self-control, refraining, um, and then he also says endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. That word endeavoring implies a concerted effort. It takes an effort <laughs> to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. It doesn't come naturally. Um, so it takes an effort. So in our walk, in, in our vocations, wherewith we are called, it needs to be in humility and gentleness and patience and self-control. And it takes a concerted effort to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. And it is possible because of the common love and the bond of peace that we share. It's only possible. And that word bond speaks of a uniting principle. And what is that uniting principle that pulls us all together that we should all be striving for? You know, it's Jesus. It's it's the Lord. It's it's, uh, I guess, in the context, you might be able to say, you know, it's that unity that we have in the body of Christ now has been, has, has been revealed by Paul to us through the revelation that he received. Um, and then notice in verse number four, there is one body. And again, he's showing how the body is united. There's only one body. There's only one spirit, even as you're called in one hope of your calling. There's only one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one Father of all who's above all, through all, and in you all. So <laughs> so if you start unpacking that, in these verses, he's telling them seven reasons why they should walk worthy or deserving. Uh, these include, the, these include, because these are included, these include, okay, that's my sentence here. These include because there is only one body. So we need to walk worthy 
you know, because there's only one body, you know, and he's talking about the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. We're not the bride. We're the body. We are the new creation. We are the one new man. There's only one spirit. Um, He talks about that in chapter 2, verse number 18, when he said, For through him we both have access by one Spirit. There's only one Holy Spirit. And then verse 22, In whom also ye are builded together for a habitation of God. How? Through the Spirit. And and again, um, notice that that word Spirit is capitalized. It's speaking of a member of the Godhead. So we should walk in this way. Um, you know, we should walk in humility and gentleness and patience, self-control, making a concerted effort because there's only one body, there's only one spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling. So what is the one hope of our calling? I think that the one hope of our calling is our being gathered together unto him. Um, and so this could be referring to the rapture. Um, I think it is returning to the rapture um, of uh, the body of Christ, him coming back for us. Second um, uh, Timothy chapter 2, verse number 13, he said, Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. I, I think that's the one hope of our calling. Uh, that's why we do it. That's what we're looking for. That's the reward. That's the prize. Uh, the point is that it should be unifying. This should be unifying that one day we're all going to be gathered unto him. There's only one Lord. Uh, that word Lord is kurios, which means master. There's only one master in our lives. Uh, and the reason we struggle <laughs> is because we've got more than one master in our lives. There's only one faith, you know, and that faith uh, is the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, There's only one baptism, you know. In Galatians 2.16, he says, Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Remember, we talked about that. Other translations want to take that word of and make it in, by faith in Jesus Christ. No, it was our faith. It's our faith in his faith that is a saving faith. By the faith of Jesus Christ, even when even we have believed in, in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ, not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law shall no man be justified. So there's only one faith there, and it's the faith of Christ. And then one baptism, you know, and that baptism is the baptism of the Spirit into the body of Christ. That's not speaking of a water baptism. One God and Father who is above all, through, and in you all. Um, In other words, these are the things that should hold us together. These are the things that should bring unity to the body of Christ. These are the things that we need to make a concerted effort at and we need to focus on. We can disagree. I mean, I I go to churches 
almost every Sunday where I don't agree with everything that is being said. Um, you know, when they start talking about the church being born in Acts 2, when they start throwing language around like we're the bride of Christ, and I disagree with that. But that doesn't mean I have to disfellowship with them. Again, we're all at a different place in our walks with the Lord and our understanding of Scripture. So, again, there's no second body. There's no second spirit. There's no second calling. There's no second Lord or faith or baptism. There's no second God and Father. Um, there's only one. And that should be the unifying principle that holds us together. Any faults in the church today is our fault. <laughs> Any fault that's in the church today is man's fault and not God's because we are not living up to what God has called us to do. Um, we're not remembering who we are and what he has done for us. We're not remembering the hope of our calling. Um and that's what brings about so much confusion and, and discontent. That's why there's, you know, a different denominational church on every corner of the city, you know, um, because we're forgetting that. Um, and he says in verse number seven, but unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. So what is he saying there? But unto every one of us. The point is that God has given every believer his favor for each of us to live as we ought or to walk worthy. Um, that word grace means gift. Uh, does that mean that he has given more to some than to others? Does some people need more grace in order to walk in a worthy manner than others do? Um, I believe that he is simply saying that every one of us has been given enough. You know, it's not a matter of more or less. It is enough. He has given all of us enough uh, to fulfill God's purposes and callings in our lives. He has given me enough. His grace is sufficient for me uh, to walk worthy of the calling that he has given to me. Uh, remember Paul said in Romans 12, 3, for I say through the grace given to me. Now that was a grace. That was whatever was needed for Paul to walk in a worthy manner. God is not, not stingy with his grace. It's not that he's given more to me than he's given you or given more to Paul than he's given me. It's given us enough for us to walk in a worthy manner. I put John 1.16 here. And his fullness have we all received and grace for grace. We've all received enough, okay, enough for us to be able to walk in such a way uh, that so if you look at this text here, Let's go back. Just look at verses one through seven. And it just, it all, you know, starts to fall together. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you, I'm inviting you to walk in a way that is deserving of the calling wherewith he has called you, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing with one another in love, 
endeavoring, working at it to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Why? Because there's only one body. There's only one Spirit, even as you're called. There's only one hope of your calling. There's only one Lord. There's only one faith. There's only one baptism. There's only one God and Father of all who's above all, through all, in you all. But to every one of us, God has given us enough grace to do this. That's what he's saying. He has given us enough grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. He's given us everything that we need. So next time, wherefore he saith, um, again, that's Paul with that wherefore, therefore. Uh, we'll, we'll look at verse number eight next time we're together. Uh, God bless you guys. Hope you have a great day. Memory loves you, wants the best for you. He's working all things out for our good.